Hey everybody, it's Peg Mulqueen with your latest episode of the Ashtanga Dispatch Podcast. Now if you know me at all, or you keep up with me on Facebook, you already know I seem to have a thing for teachers named David. Well today's guest is my original David, David Kyle. Now he likes to tell everyone how he converted me to Ashtanga six years ago, which is actually true. Because David was my first Mysore teacher. I mean, I'd taken lead classes, but you and I both know that is not the same. So I'll never forget that first week, and he assisted my exit at a Supta Kramasana and took me into a handstand. A handstand! I was like, whoa, I didn't know you did stuff like this in Mysore. Yeah, you don't. Uh, he tricked me, or hooked me, whatever. Anyway, David has really taught me a lot over the years, and way too much for me to share in just one podcast. But perhaps the lesson that he tries to drive home with me every time we're together is to just believe in myself. And he believes in me. Anyway, before I get all sentimental and cry, which I seem to be doing a lot these days, I'll just say, if you only know David as the anatomy guy, then today's episode is going to blow you away. I mean, Lord knows I tried to begin the conversation around anatomy, but David's the anatomy teacher who'd rather talk yoga. And so that's basically where we begin, with David not even thinking anatomy. I'm not trying to like think about my anatomy as I practice. Uh, Stu asked me this very question in one of the interviews a couple years ago, and it was like, oh, do you think about your anatomy while you're practicing? I'm like, no, unless I'm injured, uh, trying to figure out a new posture or something doesn't really, if, it, if something hurts and it doesn't feel right, right, then, okay, yes, then I go into that thinking mode around that. But otherwise, no, not thinking about femurs and mus- muscle names and engagement. And all. I'm just trying to like breathe and f- just be the posture. You know, we're always trying to like fix it. That's, I think that's a very slippery slope there. I can, oh. I can create little games in my practice. Yeah. <laughs> You're avoiding. <laughs> but I mean, I know I've done it. I, I still do it sometimes. It's not like, oh, my practice is like I have an empty mind the entire time. You know, it's like, okay, I've got to come, come back to your breath, David. Come back to, you know, just be. You know, it's gotten better after 15 years. It's, it's gotten a lot better. Will you tell that story? That was so hilarious last night when you were telling the story about being a pool when you first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I, in my first three years of practice, I always I always say I ruined studio floors because I I would leave a puddle of water. I would have to go get paper towels. My towel would be too <laughs> drenched, or I'd have to walk outside and wring out my towel and then go back in and then clean up the rest of the sweat. That was left on the floor. And, and of course, it was in Miami as well. So that doesn't help things. Right. But, I mean, and I said, you know, like the top mat, you know, my cotton mat would be completely soaked. Not a patch, not a, not a circle, not, you know, like a butt print. I mean, the whole thing was drenched. I mean, I would literally go home and wring it out and then rinse it in water and wring it. And, uh, but anyway, at about three years of practice, it just stopped. I didn't stop sweating, but profusely like that, that part stopped. And <laughs> the real thing that, that changed is I had met John Scott. And at that point it was like, I mean, when I met John, 
he basically told me, he doesn't remember saying this to me, but I've, this one, I definitely remember. He was like, basically, David, you've shown up with a full primary series, no breath and no bonda. And at that point I'd been practicing about a year and a half to two years. And of course I thought I was breathing and bonding and doing all that kind of stuff. Anyway, he said, look, go home for three months. I was coming back three months. I had already decided. Yeah. I found my teacher kind of thing. So he knew I was coming back. He's like, look, go home for the next three months and don't like, just focus on breathing. Don't focus on the postures. Don't try to make them deeper. Don't try to go further. Just focus on your breathing. And that's what I did. And by the end of that time, somewhere around there is when the sweat stopped. I was over-efforting. I was over, which is kind of what got us here, is I was putting too much effort into the physical part and not enough effort into the concentration and the work on breathing, which in my mind really brings kind of the softness to the practice. I've watched you in the room numerous times and, of course, worked with you so many times. And if anyone doesn't know, you are the one who converted me (laughs) to a daily Ashtanga yoga practice. It's Um, all my fault, everyone. You are to blame. Oh, so I get credit for the dispatch. Totally. (laughs) No. Um, (laughs) You come in for a week of Mysore Mm -hmm. and the way you work with students, you meet them where they are and I see you in your mind help them in some practical, tangible way to support them in the practice that they, in the place that they are right then. Right. And through the week, that's what I always tell students. They say, oh, should I go? And I say, oh, my gosh, yes. Because you will get real practical tools to support your practice where you are right now. You don't do a lot of changing of someone's practice. Unless it's really out of of my judgmental point of view of how it's supposed to be. Then, yeah. But I often say, you know, I'm not here to take away poses or give poses. And I, I very rarely do either of those two things. I mean, if somebody's way beyond where they should be, yes, I maybe pull them back. But I really try not to add on poses or anything because I'm not the regular teacher. You only change in, in safety yeah. situations. Yeah. Or if I meet somebody who's been like stuck in primary for eight years or something and they're like, it's just, that's just becoming a negative pattern at that point. It was never intended that you do primary for eight years or five years even. Five is like the edge for me. At some point, from the teaching point of view, where do you just let people be themselves? And where do you, where do you just like honor that this is who they are, this is how their body works, this is where their practice is? You know, what's, and this is what I do when I, you know, teach for the week, it's like, okay, well, what can I drop onto here that's not erasing everything that they've ever done and making it all wrong and bad, but instead just going, okay, you're here. Uh, you know what? This is, this is good. What's your next step? What's the next thing? Where's the next little place to go till the next person you see decides to like erase everything and say it's all bad or wrong or whatever. And this is where I think people get injured is not being themselves. Like not, and, and what I mean by that is not from a personality point of view, although that gets us in trouble as well. Um, but like from not knowing, from having so much instruction put into us that we don't know who we are in all of that. We just know we're trying to be this thing that we understand this posture or practice to be. 
And in reality, we need to know ourselves first and know, and then know who we are in relationship to that. And then, you know, head towards the end goal, whatever that is. I, by the way, I'm not sure, you know, you know, enlightenment, you know, um, more awareness of self. Isn't it funny? I'm like listening to you talk and I'm thinking to myself, God, there's so many things that we can relate this to. Um, you know, starting with anatomy, right? I really wanted to learn all the names and I, and I still don't at all. But, um, but I, but I wanted to, because I felt like that was what I needed. So I tried to get smart and, <laughs> and so last year I was using you to make me smart and trying to write a lot of smart sounding articles that had good names, proper names. And right. now I'm back to, hey, you got some good stuff. Out yeah, of I did. I did. And size, um, does matter, but it also doesn't, um, <laughs> <laughs> and move forward in your forward bends, but go backwards at the go same time. back <laughs> then. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm coming back to the, where I was actually, but now I have a greater appreciation for maybe where I started and, you know, I'm maybe a little better than I was, but I'm also finding in my yoga practice, um, the same, same, I went far away from my natural way of movement and I stopped trusting the way my body moved because I was trying to create the perfect whatever or and I, I stopped trusting the way my body naturally moves okay. do you see that yeah totally I, I was gonna say I mean as a beginner I wouldn't let a beginner trust themselves sure as much but you know, I get that yeah but it's a natural process I it's think is what I hear process. you saying yeah, is totally. that you move away from yourself to gain it but then you you come back you got to come back to yourself of course that's the whole point of practice. <laughs> Be yourself, your true self, your real self, right? I mean, that's, that's what it's really about. And so I, and practice can very easily become distracting us from who we are. When does it happen that you're being more like yourself, but not the self you should trust? Oh, when do you start being unhealthy? When do you overdo the unhealthy patterns and get yourself in trouble. And as a teacher, how do you know how to stop someone from doing that? Like I'm thinking of people that get hurt because they're reapplying the same patterns that they've always had, whether it's over efforting, right? right. Um, or alignment patterns that can lead to the same kind of suffering, um, or emotional patterns, Sure. You know, the fight or flight. Let's, yeah. let's just do the yeah, fight yeah, or yeah. flight itself. There's so many patterns that we could think of that take into an extreme, if it doesn't circle back, can really take you into a place that oh. of great suffering. Oh, yeah. Oh, your practice can just completely wreck your life. Sure. On all those levels. Or, or compound the problems that are outside of your practice, in your practice, or vice versa. You know. When do you know... I mean, that's the whole point of having a teacher. And then we have to say, well, what is a teacher? You know, uh, leading a group of people through a series of movements and postures um, is one level of teacher. 
That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, but at some point, the teacher practice has got to, one, you have to have that, you, you have to have had that modeled for you. A teacher who looked at you and saw you for who you are was open and available with their own stuff and understood their own biases and was willing to um, take feedback, process it, and then mold it into exactly, and, and mold it back and put it back into you in a way that, you know, take what they knew already, saw who you are, what your feedback was, and then use it for your benefit. And if you haven't had that modeled for you, uh, you know, where, where are you teaching from? Unless you're a natural teacher, which is also possible. You know, I'm very lucky I had that model for me. John Scott is super humble, super open, super creative, super willing to explore things, and at the same time bring it all back to a very traditional vinyasa count. And my point is, is that, you know, when... When John saw me practice, he saw me for who I was and not, not just through his own eyes, not just through his own bias. And then had enough experience and having had that modeled by his teacher, which was Guruji, who saw him for who he was, that, um, you know, he could, he could do the same thing for me. He could treat me differently than everybody else based on my needs and my personality and my own neuroses and problems and issues and whatever else. So you've got to have a teacher to be able to point those things out. And I, Kate, I got off of that, you know, on the teaching level, but you know, we're all learning how to be better teachers. We all want to be better teachers to our students. Um, and that, that requires a lot of openness not dictatorship, but openness. And a lot of people have a hard time, you know, because they rely on that sort of, well, this is how this, and if we're talking Ashtanga, you know, then it's very easy to fall into the trap of, oh, this is how it is. So that's it. All I need to do is to, no, 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 you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can only do it this way. It's only this, it's only this, it's only this. Which is the ideal, I agree. But that's not necessarily teaching. There's a lot of students out there that don't have teachers close by, remote communities, smaller communities. Sure. A lot of, a lot of people practicing at home. It's true. But on their own. Is the practice enough? It's tricky. I think they have to be that much more careful in a way because they're opening themselves up in ways. And I mean, if you're literally opening your body physically, you're opening it up in other ways as well because... The koshas exist. We live on all those levels. Things are opening up. Um, and without a sounding board, you know, it, it, it could end up stagnating. I mean, they might, you might progress in terms of your physical practice, but that's not necessarily directly related or proportional to your development of yoga. So as long as the process doesn't get stagnated or blocked by your shit, or your beliefs, or your patterns of beating yourself up, or judgment, or what, whatever the case may be, then, yeah, you can trust it. The problem is that we don't always realize when we're blocking it, or stopping it, or, 
you know, um, repressing the process from happening. That's the tricky part. We don't know. Unless we have somebody who's reflecting it back for us, who can point it out and is willing to say it. You know, good friends can do that. It doesn't even have to be a teacher. Good friends can do that. Good friends can do that, for sure. A partner, husband, a wife could do that. Although they bring up all kinds of other stuff. It's hard for me to imagine where I would be ahead of that met John Scott when I did. I don't know what kind of a shangi I would be, you know. I mean, I could guess because of my personality or whatever, but... I mean... Yeah. I love when you talk about him. Yeah, me too. <laughs> he's the... he's. Yeah, I mean, it was such an interesting experience to, like... Um, to just meet somebody and go, oh, this, this is teaching. This is, this is somebody who knows. And, and with all the humbleness and all of that kind of stuff. And it was like, and somebody who's willing to answer every single question I ask. And I am a question asker. You know, like, I'm going to ask. I'm, I want to know why. Like, if you're going to make me do something a certain way, you're going to have to tell me why. And especially at this point in my practice, it's like, you're really going to have to tell me why. But even then, I was like that. But as a newbie, asking the why. And he would and he would have an answer, always. It would never be like, just do. You do. You know, like, like some, you know, no, just because I said so. Because that's not going to work for me because I don't deal well with authority that way. Um, unless there's a huge amount of respect you know, like if Guruji said that, of course, absolutely. But that's at a different level. So, yeah, I met John. It was like coming home. It was like old friends. Like, like, where you been? You know. That's really good to see you again. You know that kind of thing. That's that's the feeling. But he saw you. Yeah, of course. He knew who he, saw me. he knew the way you learned and it's not about game playing or breaking that in you. A lot of people would see that. And I say a lot, uh, a small minority might <laughs> see that and say, cocky son of a bitch, I'm going to tell him no information because he asks too many questions and right. no, you need to just learn authority and, and right. how would that have worked? Yeah, it wouldn't have. So <laughs> I'm glad he didn't do that. No. It's not his nature. No. So. So he saw you and he responded and you built a relationship. And now I bet if he ever said to you, it's not really something you need to know right now. Just kind of trust me on this. Sure. You would. Yeah, totally. Because that relationship supports that now. Yeah. It is that mutual respect then. It is that like, I see you and I appreciate who you are right now. Well, I mean, the whole teacher student thing is about relationship. And I mean, and it's such a, it's so easily taken advantage of. It's, it's easy to fall into that power dynamic. It's like, the, you know, the old classic study where they took, you know, college students and they made some of them prisoners and they made some yeah. of them, you know, it's like you get power and it like, it corrupts you. It makes you, it can inflate your ego if you're not careful. It can do all, it can, you know, really do weird stuff to people. And um, they don't realize they're doing it. I always give them the benefit of the doubt. They don't always realize what they're doing and how they're doing it. But that power dynamic is, um, is it's sacred. I mean, just from the yogic point of view, that is sacred. And not to be taken advantage of. But it's taken advantage of all the time. Manipulations happen. Power differentials are created. 
I mean, it happens a lot on a day-to-day in many studios. I mean, that's my observation of it, at least. It happens a lot. Well, we can teach people yoga and asana, um, <laughs> but really helping people be teachers is a lifetime practice, right? I mean, it, this is... When I was a counselor, we had... I had another counselor that I had to work with to keep me in check, to make sure that when I was serving others, I was not bringing my own body. I was really seeing them. And if it was triggering anything of my stuff, which it does. Of course. It's going to. If I see someone who is like me, I might want to save them (laughs) from being like me Um, and not allowing them their path and not allowing them some of that struggle to build up their own strength. I know we can say that in Ashtanga we have teachers, blah, 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 but how much time do even our own teachers have to check in? Or maybe not you and I particularly, but all the many teachers out there is every, do we have that, that built in so that it doesn't seem like it's built in. It doesn't seem like it is. I'm not, I don't know what the answer is to that either. I, I just know that I got lucky with my teacher and, and my own personality and ability to teach. Yeah, I don't know. I, the whole, I mean, the whole yoga experiment continues. Let's see where it goes because we don't have a clue. And the yoga teaching thing is another big experiment. You know, it's like I don't, I don't want to take responsibility for teachers. Like that's why I don't want to train teachers to be teachers. Like even if I do, you know, my intensive, it's not like, oh, now you're a David Kyle teacher or you're a yoga lines teacher. It's not that at all. It's, it's not that. I mean, all, what do I teach? I teach vinyasa count, and you know, it's like the the tradition, appreciation for the tradition, but. And other teachers are willing to do it. I'm not willing to, like, sign my name to other people's ability to teach. That's the part. Because there's no system set up for follow-up. Right. Or fully training them, like, really training them, like, which means apprenticeship. That's the only way, I think, really to, like, assure that you're, you're getting... It's not the only way to assure that. I mean, it can be it done over time, way. but it is one way. And I think it's probably one of the best ways. And in a sense, the most traditional of types, you know, where you stay with your teacher, you hang with your teacher, you work with your teacher, you give them feedback by your teacher. You're, I mean, there's a lot to know. And it's way beyond a sequence of postures. So it's really finding then the teacher that is motivated because really then it's up to us. I mean, if I'm speaking as me as a student, I'm looking for a teacher that is continuing to work on themselves. Through someone outside of me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) Outside of experimenting on me as as a student. Yeah, of course. Um... Yeah, hopefully your teacher is still a student and a practitioner. There are people that would say uh, it's breaking parampara that to teach, to not change your teachings as it changes from Mysore today. But the thing is, those things are always changing based on the individual anyhow. And I've seen them give people different drishti. I've seen them give... I've seen Guruji not teach Parvita Parshokonasana to a beginner. 
I've seen it with my own eyes, even though everybody else is doing it in the room. I've seen Sharat give uh, pranayama to, you know, like whatever the second police chief, whatever, who came in and practiced with us, and he told him to do it, but he didn't tell us to do it. And so why did he do that? I just assume it's based on what that person needs for their practice. And that's the thing is, you know, it's like it gets into this whole dogma thing. Parampara doesn't mean dogma. That's not what parampara is. Parampara is the respect for the lineage, the respect for the teachers and the teachings. But at the same time, I'd like to believe, maybe this is my own bias and my own shit story I've been telling myself, is that when, when Sharat authorizes you, when Guruji authorizes you to be a teacher, they're giving you responsibility to, one, be yourself, because you can't be anything but that, and two, to look at the individual and teach them as close to what is taught in Mysore as possible. And that's the, that's the edict, not that it has to be exactly what's in Mysore, and you're not allowed to be yourself. You have to try to pretend like you're me. I, I, I can't believe that Guruji or Shrat would ever say, when you go home, I want you to teach as if you're me. I just don't think they would ever say that. I don't think so. No. I'm, I'm almost positive of it. The responsibility is on you to make those judgments. I remember, I mean, I remember Sharat saying in one conference when Guruji was still around, um, he said, he said, you know, he, he, they always talk about 10 years of practice before you should start teaching. And one of the reasons he gave, and it's very, every now and again, you get these little pieces. And then, of course, you have to interpret them the way you want to. And I interpret them the way I want to with my own bias. But he said, you have to be able to judge your students. And what did he mean by, he didn't, he wasn't talking about judgment like in a harsh way, good, bad, right or wrong, but you have to be able to understand them and what they need. The same way that Guruji and Sharat teach different people differently in Mysore, you need to be able to do that. That is the lineage. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, thankfully, John, John told me to go to Mysore. John was like, when you come back in three months after that first trip, he's like, you go to Mysore and you meet Guruji. And he said, and when you're there, he's like, watch Guruji. Just as long as he's teaching and you can, watch Guruji. And that's what I did. And I watched him change knee positions on the same posture to two different people and do all kinds of different stuff in the same posture for different people. And so it always seems to me that the lineage has been about teaching different people based on who they are. That's, that's the lineage, not repeating, rinsing and repeating, rinsing and repeating, rinsing and repeating, rinsing and repeating, and giving everybody the same exact instruction. Okay, the overarching one, yeah, you take your toe in trikonasana. Okay, that's what you do, unless your hamstrings are so ridiculously tight you can't get there. And then they say, bend your knee. <gasps> oh, no, bend your knee? Yeah, bend your knee, take your toe, and then try to straighten your knee. I've seen them do that. You adapt and change to the student. And I think that's the real lineage. I don't think some people want to admit that because it's like a whole world would come crashing down or something. I don't know. It's so much easier to believe in a right and wrong. Boy, life gets, I mean. Black and white is simple, right? Oh, it's so much easier. It's a tricky balance. I mean, and just to be clear, you know, the black and white is kind of the ideal that we're all aiming towards. Yes. But you got to get people going in that direction. 
And just by saying, oh, this is black and white, this is what you do, it doesn't always work. If it does, then great, but if it doesn't, then what? I, okay, I do realize you have a workshop to teach today, but before you do, I'm going to make you do something that you never do. Okay. Self-promote, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I never self-promote. No, you actually are really bad at it. Thank you. You're welcome. So, David, what exciting things are coming up for you? Ooh, I've got some good Tell stuff us. coming up. Um, my whole, my whole online thing, my whole, the website, yoga, all of that is heading into online courses. That's that feels like the direction right now. It it could change, but I've just I've got an online course for teacher trainings. I've got an online course for just anybody, like a basics of applied anatomy course. We're going. I just and I just filmed this three D anatomy green screen project that is like um, super interesting. It's one that I've always wanted to do, and it's not necessarily just for yogis. It's going to be beyond that, but it's learning all the muscles, where they attach, what they make you do, and then some very brief references to like where you might see that in yoga um, or in, in, um, in massage therapy or in personal training or something like that. So I'm going a little bit broader with that, but it's going to be for the yogis first anyway. I'm co-authoring an adjustment book, which might end up being just like an iPad app or something like that. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I've come up with a really super interesting way to, well, we have, me and my co-author, to, to really present it in a way that it makes sense for people and that it's like, it flows in a way that you want it to flow, to understand the information. Anyway, and then the other thing that I'm trying to get completed is a, a yoga outcome sort of project where I'm, you know, I'm kind of tired of the injury conversation not having any balance to it so what are the positive outcomes of having a yoga practice what are the negative outcomes of having a yoga practice and those are well beyond injury anyway it's like you know did you lose a pile of friends did you did you uh, you know uh have you become a recluse like that kind of stuff like you know, to like all the benefits that happened as right. well. And then, so we're working on that project and that's totally outside of the, uh, that's not necessarily just limited to the Ashtanga world that I want to like be, I'd, I'd like to get a really, if we go worldwide yoga community, then that's got to have a big sample. Like we need like five, 6,000 people. So help when it, when it comes out, <laughs> spread the word. It won't be a long survey, but it'll be, you know, it won't be, it won't be two questions. You know, it'd probably be about 15 to 20 minutes long. So that's a lot for people to give up for a survey. So, and, and then the, you know, and then there's all kinds of good stuff is going to come as a result of that information. Be, we'll find out some interesting stuff about the yoga world. Oh, I, I think so. This will be really interesting. Yeah. And your book is doing amazing. Book is doing well. Really good reviews. I love. People I, like it. I like it. I'm glad. <laughs> I wrote one of the reviews. Right on. Yeah, of course. Of course I did. Yeah. It's a different approach than any other. Yeah. I, well, there was no point in writing a book that's already been written. So that's not my style. No, it's not. I go in, I go, I usually go in the opposite direction. Everybody's going, but yeah, it's a completely different approach to it. It's functional. You know, and it it really comes from, uh, John. I remember John Scott telling me, he's like, David, if you write an anatomy book, try to make it as much of a story as possible. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm like, wow, I don't know. Anatomy. How do you make anatomy into a story? Well, part of it is conversational tone, mm-hmm. but it, it is. It's like, a, it's like a guided tour story. You know what I mean? It's like, I do yeah. know what you mean. Yeah. Cause you know what you did? What did I do? What you do and everything. You made it about the student. Yeah, totally. It's not about anatomy. Yeah. It ain't about me. It's about me. Yeah. And this you. person listening. It's you. Yeah. It's you. you out you. there listening. Yeah. It's, it's for you. <laughs> Get a is. copy right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. You're welcome. I love having you here. Oh, it's good to be here. Yeah. You'll be back. I'll be back, of course. A lot. And in Montana. Montana. Yeah, Montana, 2015, 2016. 2016, Montana. You have heard it here first. And um, I can't wait. Yeah, cool. Thanks. All right, we got to get you to your workshop. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, which, by the way, was sponsored by our friends across the pond at Still Point Yoga London a growing Ashtanga community in central London who has supported David Call's work and hosted his London UK workshops since 2008. Actually, you should check out this rad documentary they have featuring David on their website. Just visit stillpointyogalondon.com to watch. Better yet, go visit them in person. And here's a little breaking news. David's new online anatomy course has just gone live. You can find the course as well as a ton of functional anatomy and practice information on his website, yogaanatomy.com. The Ashtanga Dispatch was brought to you today by me, Peg Queen, along with someone else who has always believed in me, Chris Lucas, my amazing producer and editor. Check out his website at cwlucas.com. I am blown away by how many of you out there are downloading and listening to this podcast. I love hearing from you, and I am really just so grateful for all the love and support. Please keep sharing the dispatch love. And until next time, thanks, y'all. <laughs>